Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So all of a sudden we're worried about violence. And I don't argue that violence couldn't come, and there's a report about a standoff near the Ohio FBI building. This is in Cincinnati. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. A suspect who attempted to break into the FBI building in downtown Cincinnati. An alarm triggered, bringing FBI special agents to the scene. Suspect who took off, heading towards Columbus, Ohio. In a pursuit on the interstate. Right now, that's all I have. I would not be in favor. I would not be supportive of. I would not approve of. And I don't approve of, nor do I support anybody trying to break into buildings anywhere. I wouldn't support because of the despicable, gross raid on Trump's house. I absolutely would not support in any way, shape, or form threats against the FBI, against agents or the director or anybody else. Christopher Ray, director of the FBI, pushing back on threats, calling them deplorable and dangerous. I don't disagree. Violence against law enforcement is not the answer no matter who you're upset with. I believe that to be true. But two things, if I can. First, I have absolutely no plans of listening to the political left talk to me about supporting the blue and backing the blue and all this jazz. When their party promoted those screaming all cops are bastards, I will not listen to people like Eric Swalwell for a damn second. And I would appreciate it if some Republican members of Congress and Senate told him to shut his damn mouth right there in the hall, in, on the floor of the House, in the well of the Senate, or on any cable news outlet they were on. Would that be so tough? Would that be so difficult? Why is it always done with such sweetness and kindness? Sometimes you got to tell a guy to shut his damn mouth. You're not special. You're not kind. You're not good. You're the monster. I watched, you watched, we watched Supreme Court justices be threatened. We saw a man show up to the house of Brett Kavanaugh to kill him. And we got zero condemnation from the White House. Zero condemnation from the Democratic Party. Maybe something ipso facto. After the fact. We're the ones who said we opposed riots on the streets of Minneapolis and we opposed riots at the Capitol and we opposed riots and the Chaz Chop in Seattle and we opposed the riots and the violence of Antifa in Portland and we opposed the riots and the setting of banks on fire in Indianapolis and the violence in Chicago and the violence in New York and elsewhere. Because we oppose the idea of riots. We oppose the idea of this violence. We support the concepts of free speech. We're rational people. 
But now we're going to listen to the FBI and, and, and the White House talk to me about worrying about violence? Who the hell do you people think you are? Well, wait. We know who you think you are. Our problem is we haven't done a good enough job explaining who we are. You're going to hear me discuss and get into details on the idea of how we are supposed to be a government of, by, and for the people, and we have become a society of the government, by the government, for the government, as long as the acceptable political party is in charge. Dear goodness gracious. We have people screaming for for the heads, if you will, of, of, of the FBI. Well, I think the FBI in this raid on Trump's house acted despicably. And I think the idea that one would trust the FBI at this stage of the game is just nonsensical. This is gone. Gone. The FBI doesn't know what it's done to itself. I know in my, uh, people in the sound of my voice, there are FBI agents. Man, do I feel for them. Those field agents? They, they, they wanted to do this their whole lives. They, they got into law enforcement. They took the test. They, they studied. They practiced. They wanted to be an FBI agent. And now what do they have to deal with? A radical political FBI that has lied, that has cheated, that has engaged in some of the most despicable actions ever. Whether it be James Comey or Andrew McCabe or now Christopher Wray. A Department of Justice headed up, uh, whether you go back to Eric Holder or you continue now with Merrick Garland. I don't think they want to be in this spot. I don't think they want to have to deal with this nonsense. I feel for them. But so we're clear, so we're clear, this is all your fault. All of it. You knew that the dossier was a lie. The Steele dossier. You knew the subsource couldn't be trusted. Yet you were willing to go to the mattresses. And you were going to engage in spying on American citizens. You were going to see how far you could go with this. You knew it. What the hell are you talking about? Stop lying to yourself because you can't lie to us anymore. You knew it. Not one of you blew a damn whistle. Adam Schiff kept saying that he has information about this, that, and the other. It was a lie, and we knew it, and none of you said a damn thing. Don't be surprised that there are Americans who are very unhappy with you. Disgusted with what the FBI is. And questioning whether or not you play a role that's valuable in society. Doesn't mean that you should be threatened. Doesn't mean that uh, the director of the FBI should be threatened. It means stop thinking you're doing great work. Your entire organization needs to be cleaned top to bottom. People need to get fired. Not by the tens and not by the hundreds, but by quite possibly the thousands. And that's how we handle it. 
We elect people that are going to fire people by the tens, if not the hundreds, if by the thousands, so we can clean house and start fresh because the institutions aren't trusted. And for those people on the left saying, oh, Tony, look at you. Did you trust the FBI when they decided to open up an investigation to Hillary Clinton three weeks before an election? Yeah, that's what I thought. The systems have to be trusted, and right now they are not. And then there is this absolute stunned look on people's faces when the people are like, screw this. (gasps) How dare they? Well, it's not how dare they. You're amazed that people break. You're amazed that people say, I've had enough. I shouldn't even say break. I think that's rude. You're amazed when people said, I've had enough. I have the White House worried about violence in the wake of the raid. But they never once called for an end to the to the protests and the intimidation of Supreme Court justices. Who the hell do you think you people are? You want to sit there and discuss morality? With whom? Not us. Not the American people. You showed what you were all about. You were about not caring what happened to Supreme Court justices. They should learn their lesson. You don't mess with our abortion. We'll tell you what. Why should we listen to you? Why shouldn't we be disgusted by the FBI? Why shouldn't we be disgusted by government agencies? Why shouldn't we be disgusted by Corinne Jean-Pierre, who couldn't figure out how to be supportive of the Supreme Court, a, a branch of government constitutionally prescribed? I mean, it's just stunning. But I will be one, the one who says, and I may be out there all alone on the limb or on the island or wherever the limb and the island are, wherever that is. Maybe it's just a peninsula. Maybe it's just a rocky outcropping. Can't be threatening people. Can't be threatening uh, FBI agents or the FBI director or anybody else. Can't. Just got to go get the job done. You got to go get the job done. But I didn't say you couldn't call people out. My problem is, let me go back to where I started, why I don't have any elected officials doing this. Stop being so nice. No one cares about the super sweet soundbite for TV. We want to hear some rough and tumble. When do we start calling Bernie Sanders a communist, for example, because he is? When do we start noticing that in the state of Indiana, we have two police officers who were shot during traffic stops, one who died, Officer Shanavaz, and another right now, Richmond, Indiana, she's fighting for her life. And when do we start noticing that this abuse, that these attacks that certainly have gone on before people like Representative Cory Bush and Representative Ocasio-Cortez and Representative Ilhan Omar and Representative Rashida Tlaib and Representative Ayanna Presley and the entirety of the squad and this defund the police movement, 
But the problem has been exacerbated by those in elected office who think that it's okay to support those who attack cops, who don't think you have to listen to police. That is not me saying that every cop is perfect. It's a recognition that it's a tr- it's these people who I just named by name trying to tear down systems. Where is somebody to say to hell with these people? You can't do it on the on the floor uh, of the house because they've got rules about how you speak to each other. You've got cable news and you've got social media. When do you start? When does it begin? I have got a Republican Party that is so desperate to have perfect sound bites. Get this through your head. Not all of you are going to be president. So stop thinking you are and start acting like somebody who actually wants to get things done culturally by taking people to task. You've got the platform. Go about using it, baby. What's taking you so long? You wonder why people are frustrated with you as Republicans. It's because you're cowardly, because you won't engage honestly. You're too busy with the cute soundbite. I had a bunch of people uh, send me a uh, an email very angry with Todd Young, the, the senator from Indiana. And I was like, this... I, 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 I was been talking about what's going on with Trump, but what their argument was was that Todd Young wasn't talking about the the the, the raid. And it's like, all right, let me just go back and just take a, a look at some some tweets here just to see if anything got said. And yeah, there well at least on on one of his sites, Todd Young, Indiana. Uh, there, there was, there was nothing said. I go to Senator Todd Young, different, different site, right? Different uh, Twitter uh, feed, and I'm just, ta- I'm, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking a look. Uh, I don't, uh, I, I don't see it. It's talking about inflation, the Chinese Communist Party, which is always right uh, to be talking about the death of historian David McCullough, which is a loss for for everybody. But I don't have anything about the raid. I think people are absolutely right to be upset with Senator Todd Young that the FBI could engage in this and he doesn't have a thought. He doesn't have a statement to make on it. You're waiting for more information? What is the more information? Where's the demand for more information? What the hell is this? What are you waiting for, sir? What are you waiting for? And when you have people in the Senate claiming, well, we're worried about violence against the FBI, where the hell were they when there was absolute violence against Supreme Court justices? You have to say so. Don't be someone looking for the cute soundbite on TV. When we talk about what it is that Trump brings to the table, it's the fighter. People want a fighter. They may not want all the baggage. They may want a fighter who's focused. Fighters with focus, man. That's that that could be a political party. But they are not interested. They are not interested in people who just want to be super nice. 
What we're seeing is not nice. What we're seeing is obscene. A despicable way to treat people. And it, all of it, all, by the way, doesn't help us. None of this helps us. We're not better off when, when FBI officers are getting threatened. We're not better off when the FBI fails to do its task, fails America, and doesn't actually engage in a way that's proper. We're not better off when the DOJ, the same. When they call parents domestic terrorists, we're not better off. So why do we have people cheering this stuff? And why aren't we doing a better job of calling people out? And that's a question for elected officials. Fighters with focus. Honestly, if you can't get tough with the attorney general, if you can't get tough with other members of the Senate, oh, you got to work with these people? You can't work with people who want to destroy you, who hate you, and look the other way. So say so. Maybe we'll get a better crop of people. I'm Tony Counts. Interesting pick from Fox News, but I'm willing to give it a go. Shannon Bream selected to follow Chris Wallace as the host of Fox News Sunday. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Always a pleasure, guys. So Shannon Bream has been with the network for a while. She does uh, Fox News at night. Is that on at midnight? Is that when it's on? Um, she's a she's a legal talent. I mean, she's got a, a, a long history. Uh, she was uh, uh, Florida State University is where uh, she went. Uh, she was Miss Florida, wasn't she? Miss Florida? Yeah, I think she was as well. But a history of of of, of coverage and in and being a reporter more than a decade. Uh, with Fox, a long time with with Bill Hemmer, and then the the whole shakeup has her own show. I'm very curious because I've never, I, I don't, I've I've never met Shannon Brain. Um, I don't think there's really anything about her that's like Chris Wallace. I think that the legal minds is is going to be very helpful in this case and. She has not shown herself to be a, a, a weak interviewer. It's a really interesting pick. Uh, one's going to argue a touch daring. But good on good on Fox for this. I wish Shannon all the best. This is Tony Katz today. It seems that elections, the, the, the raid on Trump's house, you know, taking all the uh, oxygen out of the room. And understandable. I mean, these are, are big, big stories, but there are other stories that require our attention. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. One of them, of course, is about gun rights. And while the American Bar Association is pushing for more gun control, the weirdest fight in the world is going on in Florida regarding the right to keep and bear arms and marijuana. It's the strangest thing that you've ever seen about whether or not you can be somebody who's engaged in medical marijuana and still have a right to a firearm. Cam Edwards joins us right now. He is the editor of BearingArms.com, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, BearingArms.com. You can find him on Twitter, at Cam Edwards. 
This involves a Democrat who is suing the DOJ for the way they are treating people who utilize medical marijuana in regards to their gun rights. Break it down. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we are going to have to talk about elections uh, if we're going to break this down, Tony, because I think that's what is what is what is at the heart uh, of this lawsuit. So Florida's agriculture commissioner is Nikki Fried. She's the only statewide elected Democrat in Florida. And in Florida, the ag commissioner is actually the one that's in charge of the concealed carry licensing program. So Nikki Fried, huge proponent of uh, marijuana. I think she's uh, invested in some uh, cannabis businesses down there in Florida. And I think she's trying to make an appeal to the uh, pro-cannabis Democrats uh, in Florida and maybe even a couple of gun owners as well by filing suit, as you say, against the Biden administration over the federal Schedule One uh, status of cannabis and the fact that, you know, even if you live in a state that has legalized uh, marijuana use either medicinally or recreationally, if you partake, you lose access to your right to keep and bear arms. It doesn't matter if you've got a doctor's note or whatever, because this is a, an illegal drug at the federal level. It doesn't really matter what state law says. So she did file suit against the Biden administration. Um, but here's the thing. She's leaving office. She's running for governor in Florida. She's taking on Charlie Chris in the Democratic primary. So she's not going to be the ag commissioner come January. Well, this case isn't going to be resolved before that either. So I, I think this is a bit of an election stunt. For Nikki Freed. Um, but at the same time, I got to say, I don't think she's wrong. I think this is an issue that, frankly, Republicans and Democrats, neither one uh, are really eager to address this. Democrats don't want to do anything that looks like they're being soft on guns. Republicans don't really want to do anything that looks like they're being soft on drugs. But in the meantime, you do have, I, I would argue, millions of Americans who could benefit from using cannabis, uh, who, who are forced now, if they do so, to give up their second amendment rights this is it's what is this i mean i just stuttered my way through that and i apologize because i didn't know exactly what word i wanted to use is it the law of unintended consequences like this it's it's a fascinating kind of dissection of of two things just punching each other in the face where people are like yeah wait well no but and that's where you get to this the argument is that if you're using medical marijuana which may be allowed on the state level and the feds have yet to ever go prosecute well it's a federal offense so therefore you're giving up your gun rights this has not made its way yet to any court anywhere um, it, you know, it has, I think, in, in years past, but the federal government, you know, look, they've scheduled marijuana as a Schedule One drug. Uh, and until they change the law, I think, I, I honestly, I don't think there's really going to be any recourse in the courts uh, because that's the real issue here. You know, this, this problem could disappear tomorrow if Congress simply passed a law and said, all right, we're moving cannabis from Schedule One to Schedule Two, uh, meaning that there is some additional benefit. Uh, for using this. I mean, Tony, the situation is so crazy right now. As you know, my wife has lung cancer. She's a stage four lung cancer patient. I have watched her go through chemotherapy, lose her appetite, throw up constantly. And I can't tell you how many times she's been told, I've been told, oh, well, just, you know, use marijuana. You can use an edible, you can you know, take a pill or whatever. Well, she doesn't want to lose her Second Amendment rights. Meanwhile, if her doctor prescribed her a fentanyl patch for pain relief, she can still go out and buy a gun, right? Because fentanyl is a Schedule II drug. It was, you know, a doctor's prescription is fine. It doesn't matter if you are an alcoholic. It doesn't matter if you are, you know, on pain pills. This is such a screwy situation. 
And again, the really frustrating thing is I think that there is a legitimately easy fix, but I don't think either party really has the impetus to to move on this. Right, because the the fix would be make it Schedule Two, which is an admission of a a medical value here but you're right there is there is a political backlash that will come from those on the political right as if somehow you're giving into this uh and if you were to then go the other side the left not wanting you to be able to anyway codify a gun right you shouldn't be able to take medical marijuana and still be able to own a firearm which is far different than being uh, on the actual drug and utilizing your firearm which i would i would only assume uh cam that if you are drunk if you are impaired and utilizing your firearm uh that is something that could lead to the loss of your ability to have a firearm absolutely i mean look there's no federal law against uh you know using a gun while you're drunk but but in the vast majority of states um going armed while impaired is a crime just like driving drunk right um and, and so that is something that i think could be handled at the state level uh, let the states figure out the intricacies of this law. Um, maybe there's an exception for self-defense in the home or something like that. But, you know, I, I, I think, again, as you say, it, it is just a matter of, um, you know, there are a lot of folks uh, on the right who are not down with the idea of legalizing marijuana in any shape or form. Uh, and as you say, the hostility towards the Second Amendment on the left is, is so extreme right now. I actually covered a case in Massachusetts a few months ago where citizens uh, put a petition out objecting to the opening of a gun store in their downtown area. Meanwhile, because they said, you know, kids are going to walk by the store, they're going to see these guns for sale. There's a marijuana dispensary like two doors down. <laughs> and that's fine, right? <laughs> but kids can walk past, you know, the, uh, the smell of pot walking out of the store on their way to and from school. But uh, how dare they look at a 22 rifle in the window? Um, I mean, you know, it's just this type of absurdity, I think, that is leading to this logger jam. And the sad thing is, for me anyway, again, are those people who really, I think, could benefit from this, who, who shouldn't have to worry about going to prison or making a choice between their health and the right of self-defense. Talking to Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, BearingArms.com. It's a fascinating uh, story, and uh, the, the the politics of it, the bedfellows of it, it it's fantastic. But uh, you also are reporting on the American Bar Association. Th- th- these are the lawyers, right? This is the lawyers, uh, a group of lawyers, and they're desirous of more gun control, which is always a problem for those of us who want our rights. It seems that lawyers are very good at ensuring that they get to keep their rights and everybody else's rights are up for grabs. What is it that the Bar Association is pushing here? Yeah, it's always fun when the uh, lawyers call for more laws, right? I I, I prefer to think of this as sort of like the uh, lawyers. job security. I thought it was job security. (laughs) No, that's exactly right. Um, so the interesting thing is one of the laws that they're actually calling for is a law that has been enacted now, um, a, a law that uh, was part of this you know, bipartisan gun deal that supposedly closes the, uh, the quote-unquote boyfriend loophole. So somebody who's been convicted of a uh, domestic violence uh, misdemeanor against a, um, a dating partner, for example – um, would no longer be eligible to to buy a firearm. This is one of the things that the uh, ABA was calling for, and it's already done. Um, the other thing that they want to do is to uh, basically impose a default 
three-day waiting period for all gun purchases. So it doesn't matter if your background check comes back and you're good to go after 45 minutes or an hour. They want you to wait for three days before you take possession of that firearm. Um, I I got to tell you, Tony, I think that we've seen a challenge to a waiting period in Vermont uh, upheld by the courts. I don't know that the Supreme Court uh, is going to take quite as uh, positive a view of that type of restriction because, you know, look, there are times when somebody who's buying a gun could wait a week or two or, you know, even longer maybe before they needed access to that firearm. But there are going to be times when somebody goes to a gun store and buys a gun because they are deathly concerned for their public safety. They've got somebody who has, you know, threatened them, and they want to be able to protect themselves. And the idea that we're going to force them to wait for 72 hours, even after they've given they've got the green light from the government to purchase a firearm, is just uh, extraordinarily off base to me. That puts people at risk. That doesn't save lives. Um, well, again, isn't, I'm not isn't the argument, though, it, but isn't the argument that? That, that you can't name another right where you have to, to wait in order to to utilize it, the 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 three days three days is an arbitrary number. Why can't it be five? Why can't it be four months? Do they admit mm-hmm. that it's a totally arbitrary thought process? Yeah, well, the Vermont decision came down before the Bruin decision was issued, um, and so I don't know that uh, that that argument held sway. I mean, look, we're still not in a position where the Second Amendment is being treated as a real right. I'll give you a perfect example of this. Um, you know, if you were to try to lawfully carry a firearm in New York State right now, you couldn't do it because you, as a uh, Indiana resident, can't get a, an out-of-state permit. They don't issue them. Uh, there's no way for you to lawfully bear arms in, in New York State as an Indiana resident. Well, what other constitutionally protected right do we lose when we cross our state line? You know, so there are all kinds of issues here that have yet to be litigated. And I think uh, we've still got a long way to go before the Second Amendment is actually placed on the same level as our First uh, First Amendment rights, our Fourth Amendment rights, uh, when it comes to recognition, not only at the federal level, but the state and local level as well. So the, the question then is, with the ABA knowing this and knowing what the legal challenge is in front of them, why do they do it? Why do they push this kind of idea when they clearly know what the response is? They clearly know what the the laws are. They know what the court reactions have been. Why do they go down this road? Well, I guess you'd have to ask them. Uh, My guess is that, you know, you've got a bunch of anti-Second Amendment attorneys there at the ABA who uh, see no problem whatsoever in restricting the rights of American citizens as long as it doesn't impact them personally. Uh, And, you know, that's a problem. Not just with the ABA, but I think with a lot of American voters, too. Um, you know, the good news is this is a resolution that they passed at their uh, at their convention. Um, I don't think it's going to have any impact on Congress whatsoever. Uh, but, you know, if I had to hire an attorney going forward, uh, I'd probably ask them, you know, so where do you stand on a position like this? Or maybe I'd just uh, contact Guy Relford. Ah, Guy Relford, uh, the gun guy on 93.1 of <laughs> MWIBC. Uh, a good guy, Indianapolis guy. Um, since uh, the, the Bruin decision, uh, that mm. was part of the uh, decisional-rama from the Supreme Court uh, this last session, a tremendous number of decisions of consequence coming out of it. Um, what has been the response? That, of course, was the New York uh, State Pistol and Rifle Association uh, case, and this is about whether or not basically you can get 
a, a license, whether or not you can have a license to keep and bear arms, even if, though I people like myself would argue you don't need a license to engage your Second Amendment rights. What has been the follow-up on that, not only in the state of New York, where they've tried to make moves to continue to ban guns, but across the country? What's been the fallout? Well, you know, you haven't actually seen much of a change in the red states because most of those are already shall issues. So the Supreme Court decision didn't really impact them. Um, But, you know, from New York to California, what we've really seen is just this, I think, push to thumb their nose at the Supreme Court's decision, whether it's New York uh, saying, all right, fine, we're going to drop our our good cause requirement, but we're going to basically declare the entire state to be a sensitive place where nobody can lawfully carry a firearm. Uh, to California, they passed more than a dozen gun control bills since the Bruin decision was handed down. And some of them, Tony, I mean, none of them are good, but some of them are, are really, truly extreme. Like there's a bill that uh, Gavin Newsom signed into law. It's being challenged in court right now that makes it a, a crime, makes it a civil penalty to market a firearm to minors. And this law is written so broadly that it has now shut down junior shooting sports across the state of California. The high school uh, trap league, for example, is not – there's suspended operations because simply holding a trap event, if it's got a sponsor from a, you know, a gun maker or an ammunition maker, that could be seen as marketing firearms to juveniles. And every offense comes with a $25,000 fine. So if you've got 100 kids competing, right, you can imagine how quickly the fines would rack up. Uh, and so this is, you know, not just an attack on the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens, but really it's an attack on the First Amendment rights as well. It's a crime to uh, make clothing uh, that uh, could appeal to a, a, a juvenile's uh, desire to own a gun when they get older one day. So if, you, you know, you've got a Smith & Wesson shirt and like a size small, uh, you know, that, that alone could be enough uh, to trigger this California law. It's 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 not surprising to see the backlash, but it, I got to tell you, it's really depressing because, you know, when you've got one of our two major political parties who are proudly standing in opposition to the exercise of a constitutionally protected right, um, it, it's disturbing. And I think this is, you know, probably the the first time since the 1950s or 60s when we've really seen the Democratic Party as a whole uh, embrace this idea of of massive resistance to the exercise of a constitutional right. Back then it was Democrats standing in the you know, schoolhouse doors preventing uh, desegregation from taking place. And now it is, uh, you know, these politicians like Gavin Newsom and Kathy Hochul putting up these barriers between law-abiding citizens and the right to keep and bear arms. Cam Edwards from BearingArms.com, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, BearingArms.com. Cam, always appreciate the chance to talk with you. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Just because, why not? China is warning of a new virus. Oh, God! No, true story. True story. Health authorities, according to Fox News, on high alert. Because there's something called Langya Hennepavirus, or Lay-V. It's happening in the Shandong and Henan provinces. It presents like a, a flu. With some nausea and then uh, some some other nastiness that can go along uh, with it, and the theory is uh, there there's 35 patients so far that are affected, right? With with this with this uh, virus only, 
fatigue and cough, anorexia, nausea, vomiting, and then uh, some impaired liver function, kidney function. Zoonotic virus. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on whether or not we're going to allow Chinese travel to continue to happen because this keeps happening. I'm Tony Katz.